What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Coach Mark Carroll podcast. Had a couple of weeks off since I was pretty sick, but we're back. And today I'm with Jenna Sheridan, my usual partner in crime. She's sick with COVID, so we take it in terms of being sick. So Jenna is here. We're going to chat about a few things. Jenna, do you want to give everyone a little bit of a brief Hi. on who you are. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I guess maybe former partner in crime for people who uh, don't know. I worked with Mark for almost four years, I guess, still working together with the fitness business strategy, but um, worked with Mark as his brand manager and marketing manager. And today I um, have co-founded a marketing company called Big Appetite, which is for anyone who's hungry for growth. Um, my background is in marketing, fitness marketing, also a qualified coach and had the pleasure of working with Mark for many years. So I also know his methods and um, having competed with Mark, working with Mark and, and having that marketing background and, and working with Mark to really build his client base and community. Uh, we are here now really to help you guys build and scale your own fitness business. There we go. I told Jenna to be under 30 seconds <laughs> in her and I was. But yeah, long story short, um, I'm sure many of you guys will know Jenna. So Jenna and I have been friends for years and we worked together for years. And Jenna's also a WB, WBFF Bikini Pro. Um, I helped train Jenna for a while. And, you know, now she's doing really cool things in um, business since she listened to me to stop posting just bum photos and start knowledge <laughs> and she's doing great so what we're going to talk today about um, is about some business tips for personal trainers something Jenna and I love talking about so we want to give kind of four quick fire tips for trainers out there who are struggling to kind of go to the next level and get clients whether you're an experienced trainer and trying to you know, go to that next level or a trainer who's really new to the industry and really kind of feeling overwhelmed. So we've got four tips we want to kind of cover for you guys that we can be quick, actionable, and really make a difference. So tip number one, Jenna, what have we got? So tip number one for you guys is to be client obsessed. Your business would be nothing without the clients that you have. If every client that you had just bought a friend, you would double your revenue overnight. I think too often people become competitive focused and they forget that really the two key reasons that your clients take action is because of their emotions and their desires. So you should become obsessed with knowing where in your journey clients fall off the wagon, where they get stuck. You should be listening to frequently asked questions and, you know, you're never too big to, to contact them directly and ask them how they're doing. We uh, would survey everyone who ever completed the challenge at the end of the, at the end of their experience to find out what they wanted to know more about, what they felt they might have needed that wasn't included to get their results. And, and also to let them know that their journey is so inspiring and to ask for, for positive feedback and, and constructive feedback as well. So, being client obsessed will always keep you at the forefront of the market. Um, I think too often trainers uh, have adopted this me too mentality, looking at what their competitors are posting and what's trending. And then they end up just saying the same thing as someone else instead of speaking to their clients in a language that their client really understands. Yeah. So something I find valuable is obviously doing my Q and A's on social media and just literally seeing the questions people are asking. And it really can tell you quite a lot of what your audience is um, interested in. And 
lacks knowledge in, things like that. So just little things can go a long way. Um, so listening to kind of um, feedback from clients can also be something of use. Sometimes you're going to get good feedback, which is great, but sometimes you're also going to get a lot of, um, over, over the course of your career, at times some negative um, feedback doesn't mean anything terrible or anything wrong with your business, but it's a chance for you to get better. So take on feedback and look at what your market is really kind of telling you. So any of your followers, they're your potential, um, they're your potential um, future clients. So really take on board what they're asking, what they're commenting and stuff like that. Cause then it can really allow you to go in a direction of creating products and creating a service that is actually something that people who follow you are interested in. It's no good, you know, creating something about running and all your audience is all about trying to build muscle and get strong in powerlifting rep ranges. So little things like that can go a long way um, to allow you to think, well, there's an actual future There's a um, in this product or service. Um, so that's a pretty simple one, be client obsessed, but I'm going to do a little counterpoint in that is that sometimes people as well aren't all that sure of what they want. So I remember um, reading years ago when they, um, I think it was Henry Ford when he invented or was creating Ford motors back in the early 1900s, people were telling him it was a waste of time and and that you know that that there was no there was no um, business in creating cars and stuff like that, and the future was still just the horse and cart. And he said people didn't really know what they wanted. So sometimes you also have to take on board that you know if you want to be innovative, to be forward thinking. So two things: listen to what people want, but also then have the the confidence and the the I guess the vision to think forward. So Jenna, what do we have for point number two? Point number two, this is something that I noticed or really observed the, the success and the, the number of clients that we could service. And of course, the revenue that we were taking home in Mark's business really changed when we started delegating. So point number two is delegate. Hire help. You need to invest in your team. Something that I find like a lot of trainers come to me to build their um, websites and build their online coaching portals and things like that. And they will say, oh, I'm spending money on paid ads for lead generation. And I go, okay, cool. So how much money are you spending on customer service, cl client research, um, refining your experience? And I find that trainers don't invest in their team. They don't hire help. And, you know, Mark was so obsessed with becoming the greatest coach that he could be. He was being mentored, he was um, reading and learning about growing the business, but he was also initially being a great coach first. So, so spending his money and his time on perfecting his craft, he then admitted that he didn't know what he didn't know. And we hired and bought internally our marketing and our software um, development, which allowed us to build, build our app. Now, it's really important that you lean on experts to do what they're good at and that's also something that Mark has always said like let people do what they're good at and you're going to get a better result so if you are trying to do everything um, and you're not an expert in that field you're going to get subpar results and if you are spreading yourself really thin um, you really get what you give so look at the roles and responsibilities and requirements that are needed to bring your vision to life and then look at what you really can't do yourself Time is also money, so it might not be the best use of your time to be trying to build your own website when you could brief that out and have that done quite quickly. Yeah, look at what your business kind of 
needs and what would maybe take you to the next level. So delegation can be a number of things. You know, if you're trying to build an online coaching business and, and you know, be a head coach and have coaches under you, then obviously you need coaches. And that's something I see a lot is that coaches, good coaches get really booked out and filled up and they have no available slots. And what they could do to grow their business is actually educate coaches under them and help young coaches who work under them and then obviously um, profit from that partnership with, the, with another coach. And that's something you see over and over again. People don't grow their business because they don't actually then take on people who could actually facilitate those leads for them. And then on the flip side, from a more technical standpoint of a business, you know, so if you want to be online, you know, you need things like graphics. So actually um, getting help in that department, you can always see someone who's got a professional graphic designer versus someone who's kind of doing it themselves. And that's something where, you know, it's a little bit of money, but it goes a long way into making your um, business a bit more professional, whether you're doing um, graphics for paid ads, graphics for eBooks and whatnot, and especially your website, you do want it to, to make it look professional. And there's often the, the, the financial investment into that can actually help you a lot. So as Jenna said, I think it's good to try and save money where you can, but things that are obvious areas of a weak point for you, be able to delegate and admit that you need help and go outsource to get help to allow you to then continue to grow and grow and grow. Because if you're spending so much time on little things you're not good at that a professional could do for $30 an hour, that's taking you away from other components of the business you can be working on, such as facilitating client leads. So number three, what we're going to, um, number three is what we're going to talk about is consistency in messaging. So what do we mean there, Jenna? It's being true to your brand values, being, being true to your brand story and just being consistent in messaging. I think that a lot of uh, coaches want to change their business model or their clientele. So what I find is coaches come to us and they say, I work with Gempop clients, but I really want to work with um, strength athletes or bikini competitors. And then they tend to jump around quite a lot. Now, we saw something similar happen where Mark really um, hammered home fat loss and he, he came up with the art of gem pop transformations and he was the fat loss guy for so long. And then he switched over to bikini body messaging pretty quickly and he stuck with that for a long time. And, and we ran with that for a really long time. We did bikini body one to four. And then we saw this happen with your glute coach. Now, Mark's bikini girls were getting epic glute results and we saw the need, you know, that saying, don't find uh, people for your products, find products for your people. We saw this growing trend or this growing need for girls wanting to build epic glutes, but they didn't want to train or get jacked like they thought some of their bikini body fitspo girls were. So we came out with your glute coach and we were very consistent in the messaging there. And it was a little slower off the mark than the bikini body series initially was, but we really did get there over time once once we were consistent in that message and then Mark became really the, the, the glute man online on social media. And I think a lot of people are trying to prove their education and their credibility in this space. So you find they're talking about so many different things in a week. You know, they've, they've got training, nutrition, mindset, education, what I eat in a day, 
um, before and afters of clients. And then they're really saying nothing loudly and consistently. Yeah, it's hard to talk to everyone at the same time on social media. So sometimes you want to kind of go in on an area in the world of fitness and nutrition. It's hard to kind of be a specialist in every area. If you're kind of talking to everyone, you often then get no one kind of talking back. But that's not to say you also have to be, I think a lot of people go too one-dimensional and they, all they do is talk about um, glutes and they've got a few hundred followers or something on social media or they've just started training and they're in a market where they're at a gym, which is predominantly males and all they want to do is talk glutes. So you're limiting yourself um, and your audience to kind of who you can work with too early. But being consistent in your message doesn't mean you have to be totally one-dimensional, but for me, I often think, well, all right, I'm about hypertrophy and getting people strong. That means that's what I'm kind of going to focus on with my training. I'm not then going to talk about um, a lot on, say, um, af athletes. I'm not going to talk about um, getting people um, fit for endurance sports and things like that. I'm not trying to be a specialist in every area. I'm trying to kind of go really focused on a few areas and my messaging is consistent this is who i am this is what i do and then like attracts like what you put out to the world you kind of will inevitably get back if that messaging is consistent yeah and then, yeah and then but you also need to understand though sometimes it takes time to get that message out so initially i was kind of really known for the gen pop kind of fat loss and then before I put out anything on kind of like um, bikini bodies and stuff like that what all I did was I just trained a lot of women in that um, in that kind of world of fitness and then it was just an organic process and as I um, was just training people and putting out client results that's when the the demand for those products came out so when you do want to kind of change your messaging don't expect it to happen overnight because it can kind of look quite inauthentic in a way you know I, you know you see people a personal trainers and then next week they're life coaches and the next week they're gut health specialists and the next week they're this and that so if you're not if you're constantly chopping and changing too dramatically it can also look pretty authentic well that's the other thing actually um you can pick a focus for a period of time and sort of change it like let's say you want to spend eight weeks focusing on client results, then you can still cover training, nutrition, mindset, gut health, but you want to make it really specific to client results. So here's an example of where um, I fixed or, or helped improve my client, um, my client's gut health, or um, this is where my client is training better. Like if you want to be client centric for a month, which I think you should always be, um, my point is you can pick a theme and you can run with it. So let's say for example, winter, um, is come, is here in Australia right now or summer, summer bodies are made in winter could be like a theme for people or summer in the United States. And what I find is then picking a theme, a monthly theme, and then implementing that. And this is what we teach you how to do in the fitness business strategy. If you're feeling like this is overwhelming, but I really teach you how we break down campaign planning. So you have consistency in your messaging and you can still post training, nutrition, mindset, client, you know, selfie, whatever, 
but I'll teach you how you tie that all into the, the key message for that week, which then supports the message for that month, which should always support sales objectives as well. So um, it's just about being specific with your wording, always coming back to a client goal or value um, or pain point. And then you can really take different pieces of content, like a, a what I eat in a day video and a, a training video, but then you can come back and sort of support that one message as well. Yes, you can use different strategies to kind of relay that messaging. So even though, you know, a lot of my clients want great glutes, doesn't mean every post has to be great glutes. For example, I train a lot of women, but they also want shoulders, they want abs. And so there's many factors to it, but then every post then doesn't have to just be uh, exercise execution video. Then you can relay back that messaging of then nutrition to talk about then obviously trying to build muscle, calorie surplus, things like that. So there's many different ways, I think, as well. Coaches exactly. get a bit one-dimensional with their messaging. So try and mix it up, but still have that same kind of story theme and overall, overall um, messaging and what you're trying to do, but just how you um, uh, get it across to your audience can differ to keep things engaging for people. I think that's something that trainers do struggle with as well. And I just want you to know that um, if you are listening to this and you find communicating what you're trying to say challenging you're not alone and finding your wording and, and knowing how to speak your customer's language is something that you can definitely learn and that is what we again do really cover it's how you can learn to use the questions and the comments that you're getting from your clients as content so that now you know with surety and confidence that you're posting what your clients want to see and on that note, um, giving your clients what they want, that is where tip number four comes from, which is really establishing product market fit. Now, Mark, for people who don't understand that, how would you describe it? Well, for me, you're kind of looking at what your audience actually wants and what your audience actually um, needs from you. So trying to sell something or a service to people and they're not interested in it is something you see people struggle with a lot. There actually needs to be a demand for that product. So you can have the greatest course, you can have the greatest program, but if you're pushing it to an audience who's not interested in it, no one's going to want to invest into that. And that's something I see a lot, especially with people starting out in industry one thing I notice a lot is that people rush to try and sell things on mass. So they'd rush to try and be a person who does challenges or tries to do um, online eBooks. And they see people selling these and doing well, and they think, Oh, well, I should do that. And then they invest a whole lot of time, a whole lot of um, um, money into, into these products. And then all of a sudden it doesn't sell on mass and they've invested mm. thousands of dollars into say something like a challenge and they get 20 people at $50 for eight weeks when they could have actually just been working with people one-on-one -on -one and that's where their demand was for their, um, their current services. Yeah, exactly. And I think that establishing product market fit, it sounds like marketing jargon. It sounds like, um, well, it sounds a little bit more complicated than it is, but it's like what I said earlier, don't find products for, don't find people for your products. It shouldn't be, the goal shouldn't be 
to find an audience for what you're selling. The goal should be to find a solution for your audience. And you'd rather speak really loudly to 20% of your audience, even if that means you're only making five sales a month, um, then speak softly to no one where you're putting out all this effort and you're not really actually converting anyone. So product market fit was really looking at what your audience is wanting. Um, what is their problem? How can you offer a solution and how can you deliver it to them and communicate it to them? And um, again, it's not always about selling on mass. Something that uh, Jade and I hear a lot of when new clients come to us is they want to automate their business. Now, that's all the latest rage. Like if you're listening to business advice, if you're receiving business coaching, they will tell you automation is the way. Um, but it's a bit of a dream, right? Like you can't have an entirely automated business. Mark still works extremely hard. People don't necessarily know or see that. Um, so my point is, if your goal is to automate, you've got to put in the stepping stones to get there. And I think that too often we're seeing trainers who have just gotten qualified or only spent a couple of years in the gym floor and don't really have as much of an audience or the demand that say someone like Mark had. And then they're saying, okay, I want to create challenges and eBooks. Well, you know, Mark's had a hundred thousand people sign up to his challenges and buy his guides. Um, that's off like a monthly average web traffic of 80,000 visitors. So if you're sitting here with six to 50 or even 150,000 followers, and you're saying, you want to sell guides and challenges. There's a lot of work involved in terms of that churn, keeping those um, web that keeping that web traffic coming back, but also that conversion rate versus the web traffic is really small. So you've got to have the traffic um, to convert to, to to make money. Yeah, and I think with things like guidebooks and challenges, you know, they're they're a product that you're not selling for very much at all. You know, so I'm I'm selling a challenge for or a guidebook for 99 USD, which is something someone does for 12 weeks. Whereas a one-on-one -on -one session with a client, normally in most gyms in Sydney, that's kind of the rate for 45 minutes to 60 minutes of a client. And then you could see them once, twice a week for 12 weeks. So yeah, that, that same amount, 24 times over the course of 12 weeks. So unless, unless you're, you've got a massive demand of people wanting those services, selling something very cheaply doesn't really financially work out. So many coaches, I think, would just do so much better if they just focus on being a good online coach. You only need 15, 20 clients a week at a solid rate and you can do really, really well. And then it's just about keeping those clients. It's much easier to keep clients long-term than to try and get new clients every 12 weeks. So for me, when I get messages from coaches and stuff like that, they're always looking to, I want to go on mass. I want to do a subscription program. I want to sell guidebooks or challenges. And they've got a few thousand followers. Trust me, it's not the way to go initially. You need to actually build up that demand. Otherwise you're just selling a very cheap product to a very a small amount of people. So in the end, look at what your demand is. If you're in a gym, be the busiest coach in the gym. If you're trying to go online, be a very successful online coach, have 30, 40, online clients at a good rate first, do this for a long time. And then once you have that kind of demand, look at doing something on mass. But until then, for the most part, you'll probably make um, a much more successful business financially and less pressure just by being a good online coach.
Well, that's something else I really want to sort of cover is um, the amount of work that it takes to create one eight-week challenge is likely to be the same amount of work that it creates, that, that can create one 12-week automated or semi-automated experience. So if you were doing an eight-week challenge, you can do five of them a year. That's a very expensive operating expense, essentially, uh, because you're recreating the wheel every eight weeks versus having that one 12 week experience that you can refine over a 12 month period or 24 month period and continue to make money from. So um, for coaches who are listening to this, to simplify it, know your market, find out what they really want. They've likely tried to get results before. They've tried to track calories. They've tried training in the gym and they haven't succeeded. They've failed. Find out why find out what held them back, what was missing and and add that to your solution so that you can solve their problem and really sell the result. Awesome guys. So there's four quick hitter business tips for you. Um, I guess we might as well wrap up and remind everyone about our fitness business strategy that Jenna and I have on Carol Performance. Jenna, do you want to chat quickly about that to the audience? The The fitness business strategy is a... 10 week or it's self-paced but essentially 10 module program where we really teach you how to architect your brand and business plan uh, define your service offerings so what are you selling how can we make it appeal specifically to the psychographics of your ideal client so we teach you how to client profile we teach you how to sell the result how to build your offer we also then show you the online systems that you can use that are cost effective there's a variety of them some of them we even used when we first took mark's business and really scaled it Um, So we show you those cost-effective systems that you can implement. We teach you how to then build a sales page proven to convert, write content, write copy, plan your social media um, for lead generation, and then most importantly, be a data-driven business owner and marketer. Because once you go online, the reality is you are an online business owner, no longer just a PT. So we really wanted to give you everything as much as possible that, um, that, you, that allows you to really grow and scale in that space and empowers you to do so. So um, you can start right away. And Mark and I are here to support you every week in the Fitness Business Strategy Network. Yeah, so just to wrap up, guys, on that, we see so many coaches invest into the education too learn more about training, learn more about nutrition. That's fantastic. That's what we want. But as soon as you become um, in control of acquiring clients or you're working online, you also become a business owner. You're not just a personal trainer. You're working in a gym under a coach and they're getting you sessions. Sure, that's different. But once you enter into the world of actually truly being a business owner, You want to think outside of just being a personal trainer. And that's where so many people have struggles with because they're fantastic with their knowledge on training and nutrition, but they can't talk to people. They can't um, scale their business. It's all well and good to have all this knowledge, but if you can't acquire clients and keep clients, you can't actually help people to your full potential with all that education. So combine the education you you, um, are gaining with your training and nutrition to get amazing results with that ability to um, increase your business potential, then you can help more people en masse. Good point. 
All right, guys. Well, we look forward to having you and helping you in the fitness business strategy. Um, you can learn now and pay later because we now have Afterpay as well. Thanks, guys. And thanks, Jenna. Bye. Did you stop recording?